Oh, that's the music I missed. Are we recording? Are we on? We're so on. It's the 22nd of August, 2016, and uh, it's been way too long. It's been a couple weeks. You've been out of the country. I've been on an extension extravaganza tour. We're finally both back in the office. Yeah. Yeah. When you make it, when you say it like that, it sounds like uh, you work and I don't. (laughs) (laughs) You were on vacation, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It was vacation. Yeah. Um, And it was, um, it's the one time during the year where I take an extended period of time with my family and, um, God, we, we packed in a lot of family, um, <laughs> my kids, my wife, my sister, her husband, my dad, my stepmother, my wife's sister, and her two kids. It's so a lot of family. 11 of us at, yeah. at the high water mark, and we were all trying to negotiate a foreign country, Spain. <laughs> and yeah, it was... I, like, for those of you, she's not laughing about the vacation. She's laughing because I put my mic very close to my mouth that's okay you can put it close yeah. not just on not like yeah. um yeah jay-z on the stage we don't have that nice of microphones yeah, yeah. probably not necessary mm-hmm. but anyway uh getting back to vacation i'm back um it was very interesting spain as my brother-in-law says is very spanish yeah very spanish a lot of uh a lot of spanish in spain i, I can't wait to see your pictures oh yeah so many pictures a lot of me eating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big pictures of you eating? <laughs> pictures That's of awesome. me eating, pictures of things I ate. Oh. Um, yeah, we were out in uh, central, uh, I think it's central Spain around Madrid, and the agriculture around there is, um, my sense is it's very much like what you would see in, say, Montana, Wyoming, where there's a lot of dry, uh, arid conditions, but they make a go of planting things like wheat and grains. We saw a few uh, sunflower and a few very small plots of corn. Mm. Um, they, they have cattle. I'm assuming it was for silage. Yeah. Um, and then some weird stuff. Uh, well, g- olives. My brother-in-law, who's Spanish, tells me that all the olive oil sold out of Italy, the olives come from Spain. Mm. Uh, they're a net exporter of olives. And every time you sit at a bar, you get tapas, which is a little plate of food that you didn't order just to kind of keep you mm-hmm. there drinking. And nine times out of ten, it was a plate of olives. Yum. Yeah, yeah. If you like olives. I do, I do, yeah. Yeah? All kinds of olives, yeah. Because uh, you know what I found about uh, on this trip? What? Um, about nine out of 11 people in my family. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like olives. <laughs> it was, it's it, too it, bad for them. Yeah, yeah. More for you. Yeah, it's like, Dad, you're not eating any olives. Yeah, I don't like olives. Aww. Oh. Day three of the trip, we find that out. <laughs> Not the best place for you. But yeah, we all had a great time. And now we're back. And uh, tell me what I missed. So school started today. Yeah, you didn't miss one. that. No, 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 no. That's, that's why I'm back. Traffic on I'm campus like kids. triples. Yeah? Um, you've got to wait for coffee. The parking lot is jammed up. And the First youth are back. problems. Yeah. The, the youth are back on campus with their fancy backpacks and yeah. hairdos. and Yep. So that's a lot. What did you miss? So you missed a lot of aphidness. Oh yeah. Oh there man. I mean, when it comes to soybean aphid, numbers were all over the place and really erratic. So there were fields that exceeded threshold, generally north of I eighty. I wouldn't say widespread, but there were definitely fields that exceeded threshold. Mm-hmm. Applications were made, um, and then 
Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. Yeah. Keep, and no. um, we're kind of getting. I just I just got off our crops team teleconference, and and most of the field agronomists said that the beans are getting you know to mid to full seed set, yeah. and so a lot of people who are kind of on the fence about making treatment decisions, you know, really don't have that much more time before it's too late. So either to spray or not to spray. Because of uh, pre-harvest intervals. Pre-harvest interval and also the the probability of getting a yield response. Yeah. Yeah. I In my efficacy evaluations, I don't see a yield response when I spray at R6, but there are some... That's how far we are. Wow. Yeah. At R6 well, now. Yeah. So, some of our, yeah, full yeah. seed set. So, uh, but there are other areas outside of Iowa that have seen a yield response yeah. at that time. So it's really more of a judgment call after full seed set, you know, depending on market value, how many aphids you have, how long they've been there, yeah. and, you know, the ability to spray maybe at a cheaper cost versus yeah. Yeah, hiring yeah, yeah. somebody. You know, at this time, most people are doing aerial applications. So that's a, certainly an investment. Yeah, I would think now it would be challenging to yeah. drive through the field yep. and not lose maybe a bushel an acre oh yeah i mean the beans are they seem really tall this year and they're starting to get i mean all tangled up and lodged in some cases because they're so like top heavy so yeah so i've just been hearing a lot about that and And what you're hearing in the background is the british are coming yeah and along with that just this morning um i heard from a few well a field agronomist in northwest iowa Joel DeYoung, who's uh, in touch with a few of the co-ops and things like there, like that up there, and he said that one of them um, saw a poor performance of a bifenthrin on soybean. Oh aphid. no! Uh oh! Yeah. So yeah. he he sprayed Cue multiple. Cue the sound, fe- fa- sound effects on this one. <laughs> the the sad game show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Resistance. Resistance is futile. Yeah. Resistance. So I guess he sprayed uh, multiple fields for soybean aphid and. A few of the fields had great knockdown. A few fields he didn't. All with the same. So. And um, okay, so let's just backtrack uh, yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Joel DeYoung is up in north. Near Sutherland. Yep. Northwest Iowa, mm-hmm. in that upper corner, in the top, you know, third of the state, which consistently has aphid outbreaks, if not every other year. It, yeah, it's some of the heaviest yeah. aphid numbers we see on a regular basis. Yeah. And you. And before you, I ran insecticide evaluation trials in that region because you knew you could get something. Yeah. yeah. My uh, plot succeeded threshold two weeks ago yeah. at the farm. So, And that is a part of the state that's close to areas in Minnesota where soybean aphids have been reported to be resistant to pyrethroids, mm-hmm. like? Like bifenthrin yeah. and lambda cyhalothrin. Yeah. So um, this is remarkable, but not surprising. Not surprising. Um, and it's it's something that uh, we probably need to do a better job of informing. Mm-hmm. Um, we, the sort of extension mm-hmm. research community, need to do a better job of informing our farmers about is that um, this is no longer a possibility. Mm-hmm. It's a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. So anyway. Yeah, and so just to follow up on that, meaning it's not a surprise. I have been in communications with a few of the entomologists in Minnesota, and they are seeing the same pattern that they saw last year. Poor performance with bifenthrin in lambda cyhalothrin in southwest and south-central Minnesota. So there's a lot of ways that insecticide performance can vary, and you can get 
like you said, a poor performance. Mm -hmm. And some of these have nothing to do with the susceptibility of the target insect to the chemistry. Things like... Coverage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with bigger beans, it is more difficult to get those droplets in the mid to the lower canopy on the undersides of leaves. So that's always the first question. Did you get good coverage? Right. And, you know, that could be a function not only of the plant, but pressure, volume, mm -hmm. uh, the... The nozzles, you know, did you get, you know, the right kind of... Droplets, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of technical issues that go into that, some mm -hmm. of them biological. Um, sometimes the temperature can affect the performance or the coverage. Yep. You know, there's that. There's, and I hate to say this, but, you know, sometimes there's operator error. You know, yep. somebody, you know... For you didn't get the concentration right or something right, like yeah, that. Yep. Yeah. Um, but... Given the work done out of Minnesota where they've screened aphids from fields where there's been poor performance, there's evidence that those aphids are, those populations of aphids are less susceptible to these products. Right, exactly. So, you know, are the, do we have evidence that those aphids in Iowa are resistant to these insecticides? Not confirmed, but, but suspected, right? Right. Likely. And, and you know, you, you have to look at the evidence and say, this is a, this is a possibility, yeah. a strong possibility. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's probably um, uh, the tip of the iceberg in yep. the sense that these are places where people have noticed it. There may be people who haven't noticed it. Right. I've been really uh, promoting checking fields, you know, three or seven days after application to see if you're getting the knockdown that you would expect. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and saying something as simple as 80%, I would consider not a good, not good performance when it comes to soybean aphid. Just That's because if, if you had 20% survivors, they're all pregnant females, they could bounce, bounce yeah, back very yeah, closely yeah. or very, very quickly. And, and on so, top of that, the natural enemies, the lady beetles and predatory bugs that feed on aphids they're they are still susceptible yep. to the insecticides and yeah. now you've lost a little bit of the natural break on that aphid population growth and and likely knock down the competition from any other herbivore that's feeding you know mm -hmm. that would be susceptible as well so basically they're no competition they can thrive and if temperatures are great you know they can bounce back so this is kind of interesting because what you're suggesting is uh, applicator or a farmer needs to go out and just double check to confirm that there was impact on the aphid mm -hmm. and that's different than waiting until yield to see did you see an impact yeah. and it gets complicated because especially now if you're thinking about spraying insecticide we can't guarantee that you'll see a return you'll see an, a yield improvement and that could be because well one it wasn't necessary. There weren't enough aphids for the size of the plant and the stage of the plant to really, for the aphid to really have an impact on yield. Could also be you were the unlucky person in your area that happened to have an aphid that was resistant to the insecticide yeah. and you didn't see a yield improvement. So right. it's going to take a little bit more work to know just what's going on in that field. I mean, yeah, soybean aphid management for the fir first 15 years in Iowa pretty easy right you see aphids you spray then you don't see any more aphids yeah. and now i feel like with a couple of those that you know pe maybe people are talking about northern iowa and the ones that have been confirmed in southern minnesota it does make things more complicated mm -hmm. and it really limits as far as like your toolbox 
uh, it limits your options. So that's maybe something we can talk about in the future uh, about what are the active ingredients, what are the chemistries that are available, mm -hmm. and what's a resistance management plan? Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're going to rotate chemistries because if your pyrethroid isn't working, got to find something else. Yeah. But what's available to farmers is changing, and it's not just in the name. Yeah. It's in the label to know which class of chemistry you have. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's going to... It's going to keep us busy. Oh, um, man. That, I think that changes my whole winter extension program. <laughs> 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 you know, you 20 or so events in the winter, yeah, and I feel yeah. like that's going to be a real hot topic. Um, one other thing to add to that, and um, I think this builds on the resistance issue, we had our wasp, our parasitoid wasp release. These are wasps that attack soybean aphids, and... I got an update from our postdoctoral scientist, Matt Kaiser, who's been working on this. Um, we see evidence of a third, third generation. So we release them. Uh, two weeks later, we see that you know, the, another generation emerged. And now we're starting to see some evidence that they may be around for a third. Nice. Um, and that's hopeful because it suggests in these commercial fields where all we did was <laughs> drop them out. Um, and that's the official sound for dropping <laughs> uh, 10,000 uh, aphids into a field. <laughs> yeah, well, the wasp, too. 10, yeah. 10, um, that they can persist. Mm -hmm. um, you know, still yeah, that's great. And that, I think, gives us some hope that, hey, look, even if these aphids become resistant to insecticides, we have other things we can do. Um, and I think in combination, we might, you know, we can... Uh, keep this from being a repeat of when the aphid first showed up and we had huge populations. Yeah. And our aphid resistant varieties that we've yep. been testing, those, you know. A lot of promise. Yeah. Very yeah. excited. Makes it even more, you know, I, I'm happy that we're working on that. Yeah. E even yeah. more. Yeah. Um, and from what I hear from colleagues who are using some of the same varieties, um, really hard to find aphids on those. Yeah. Uh, when they when they go out to look. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so it's not all... Sad news. While we're on the aphid uh, topic, I also wanted to bring up corn aphids. Oh, uh, starting last week, soybeans. and then more this, this is week. A different species. Yeah, these, these are different. Are different. So we have a couple. We have a, a number of different species of aphids that can feed in corn. Usually, they are considered like a small green aphid, uh -huh. but that just spill over to corn because well, we have 20 million acres of corn, but um, they don't overwinter here. So it's a little bit different biology than soybean aphid. And so when and where they land is really erratic, kind of like black cutworm, potato leaf hopper. But this year, there have been fields, and it's kind of the same area, northwest, northeast Iowa, where suddenly the aphids are getting way out of control. And there's a field that I hope to visit this week with field agronomist Brian Lang oh, in yeah. northeastern Iowa, where... In his estimation, there was three to 4,000 per plant. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, and so you, you, you have that visual, like 2003, you're walking yeah. through soybean fields, yeah. and your pants are totally covered in honeydew. Yeah. Now imagine if the beans are at your head. Yeah. So the honeydew is at your face. Yeah. And yeah. I guess walking through the cornfield with that amount of honeydew yeah. is just like walking through like strips of honey. Uh, and so you're just totally covered from head to toe. The mold that's oh, that's grown wow. off of that honeydew is is out of control. Wear a mask. Yeah, and so it is. It kind of went from you know you're checking fields at silking, tasseling. You want to get through the pollination period. That's okay. But these aphids are persisting well beyond that. And as as cornfields are reaching dense stage, you know it's yeah. real important 
to protect through that period. So these aphids were nuts. And in, from Brian's experience, I think he said it was bird cherry oat aphid was the primary species, but also corn leaf aphid mixed in with there. Okay. M- mixed in, mixed yeah. together. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, I have had so many people ask me questions about treatment thresholds for aphids and corn the last two weeks, and I wish I had better answers. But the good news is, I'm ha- good news. Well, good news. I'm having a few a commercial news? fields that are treated, yeah. and then they, they're leaving a, untreated oh, check strips for okay. me. So I'm going to have, I think, four or five fields in Iowa where I'm going to be able to see, you know, aphid counts before yeah. they spray, aphid counts after, and then a yield comparison as a beginning okay. for developing a threshold. Because I, I really don't know yeah. the cutoff point at which you would expect a yield response. I mean, How are they spraying those? Pardon? How are they spraying those cornfields? Um, they either have to use a, a high boy, like a Hagee type sprayer, but I think most of them would be using an aerial application. Okay. Um, I saw uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, soybean fields being sprayed by helicopter. Oh, awesome. And, yeah, it was really awesome. It's, it's impressive to see uh, um, just how low to the ground and mm-hmm. sort of site-specific mm-hmm. they get with those. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, I've never seen one in like in, in real life, but uh, yeah, I heard the same thing that they can get real site specific. Like if you're doing a perimeter treatment or something like that, yeah. as compared to an aerial, which is not as precise or, or an airplane, I should say, it's not I, as precise. Yeah, I was driving with somebody um, who doesn't know a lot about agriculture, and they're like, "What is that helicopter doing?" It's like it's spraying. You're like, "Well, where's the spray?" You know, like there's no big tanks or anything. It's a. It, it looked like you know, kind of a real simple helicopter but i guess with the low volumes and mm. concentrations they and you, you they can they can carry the, uh, what they need and you could see the the spray coming out you know it was uh, yeah but it was um yeah it was impressive it was impressive to see i'm just cool. curious if you yeah uh, if your applicators were mixing I mean, it they, up they, with they, ground versus aerial well i think at this time of the year they would have to generally move to an aerial yeah um just to make it unless they happen to have their own like sprayer equipment. I, I mean, I think they could contract that with a co-op or something, but yeah, I think the aerial would be more common this month. So yeah, so aphids, not just in soybeans, also in corn. Oh yeah. Um, I don't really know of any other place in the Midwest where they're talking about corn aphids. Seems to be really localized uh, to Northern Iowa. Really? Yeah. That? Yeah, just on a you know a teleconference with other entomologists in the Midwest, and, and nobody else has seen anything like that. That's interesting. Yeah. Are they looking? That's the other thing is. Yeah, I mean, because I think, you know, they, they kind of have the same networks that I do, and so they talked thing, talked about things like uh, Western bean cutworm, European corn borer. You know, they're looking for caterpillars mm-hmm. in, in corn. Which so is they would maybe, see them. Yeah, yeah so yeah, I think yeah. they weren't specifically looking for aphids, but yeah. I think you'd notice. Well, the other thing is you've got, a network of people like Brian Lang, our extension agronomists, that not a lot of states have. That's I mean, true. We, we still have a commitment to uh, extension and, and field research that many of the other land grant state universities mm-hmm. don't necessarily have. So, yeah, that's true. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm yeah. just saying I, I wonder. I'm if, lucky. Yeah. 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 We, but anyway, that's cool. I mean, yeah. well, it's not cool it's interesting. for the farmer. It's yeah. interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. And to date, there's no evidence that those two species of aphids are any less susceptible to insecticides, right? It's, I haven't heard of a situation where people have sprayed and not seen good performance. So I don't think it's hard to kill them. It's just 
I'm not sure if a lot of people are looking after that pollination period. So they're going in spot checking, you know, doing these preliminary yield checks, and they're like, oh, wait, there's something going on here yeah. that's not normal. Yeah. yeah. Well, anything else? Yeah, I mean, just a good mix of other. That's a lot. That yeah, was yeah. two exciting weeks. Yeah, it's a good mix of defoliators in soybean, like uh, bean leaf beetle, green clover worm, and a few grasshoppers. So. My advice is to still keep looking for some of those defoliators. Those are a little bit easier to see mm-hmm. than aphids, of course, but um, just kind of depends on where you're at. But just more more of those than I would typically hear about in the summer. Yeah. Although at this point, right, the amount of defoliation it would yeah. take to damage or reduce yield is would be pretty significant. Yeah, I just I, I worry more about 20%. them feeding on the pod. Sure. You know, if they're yeah. like grasshoppers or bean leaf beetle, yeah. you don't want any pathogens or anything getting inside the seeds. So sometimes that can be more of an issue is that direct injury to the pods. So maybe to wrap up, the one thing that we've been talking about uh, with the students and all is, um, although Iowa looks incredibly green, I mean, we've been blessed with more than enough rainfall um, since our sort of dry mm-hmm. June. Um, and coming back from Spain where they're in their dry season, this place is so vibrant. Um, we're getting close to harvest. Yeah, things are winding down. Yeah, it's shocking given how green everything looks that in the next two to three weeks, those plants are going to start to senesce and senesce hard. Mm-hmm. And, um, so your comment, your uh, point about pod feeding is now even more uh, yeah. important because yep. that's the business end. <laughs> If I could, I just wanted to bring up one event that I think we're both attending that might be of interest oh, to yeah. some of our listeners. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you may be aware of the Farm Progress Show that happens in oh, Iowa yeah. and Illinois. In the even years, it's in Iowa, so it's going to be in this Iowa this year. This year. Um, and it's located. Gonna be, be is. It, it is. It's yeah. located between Ames and Boone. Right on I-30. On, on Highway 30. And so um, I am there throughout the morning of the first day on the 30th. And I am going to be, I think, the first speaker up at 10 o'clock on the 30th. Oh, fun. Are oh. you going to be on the, you're going to be the 31st? So, yeah, I'm, uh, I think what they call a... Uh, you're Ask the Expert. Ask it, uh, I'm an expert. You're an expert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think my family would challenge that. Aww. I got a lot of eye rolling on vacation. Aww, but come did on. I tell you this? My, my daughter pointed out to one of our family members that we don't usually see, he's like, He's not a real doctor. Oh, <laughs> ouch. But the, um, yeah, I'm there on the 30th. Uh, oh, you're on the 30th? Yeah, I'm there. You must be in the afternoon. Yeah, uh, from like uh, noon on. Okay. So, so if you're at the Farm Progress Show, stop by the Iowa State University area tent, and you can either see me or Matt. Yeah. I just wanted to put that plug that's out there. That's great. No, there's a lot of people in our group that probably attend the Farm Progress Show. Plug that away. Like Mike McCarl. He oh, was there last time, remember? He was a Bayer former student. Yep. Yeah, and I don't know if he'll be there, but there's a lot of industry folks that Thank come to the Farm Progress Show. Yeah. So, Mike, we know you listen. Stop by. Stop by. Bring us some of that bear swag. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, Matt? Um, we covered it all? Not. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff going on in the lab. Um, might give a recap when we're done with harvest. Sure. Um, I've got a... Um, I think by September, a bunch of stuff that's going on related to pollinator conservation and mm-hmm. developing best practices for 
soybean and corn farmers um, to limit the impacts that they may have on pollinators um, cool. is the, there are meetings that I'm, I got the opportunity to attend. I'll, I'll give a, maybe a little report on that. I think what's going to happen is at our ICM conference in November that's hosted out of ISU, uh, I'm going to talk about some of that um, and give a recap of our research and uh, some of the issues going forward, which may affect regulation. Don't know. Oh, okay. Um, but that's off a ways. So. Yeah. 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 Other than that, um, boy, we're, you know, like I said, school start, and we're looking at yield soon. So. I think. And if anybody is still listening to us. <laughs> we crushed this. Do we did yeah. so much. Mm-hmm. Ah, been too long. All right. Are we good? I think we're good. Right. We'll be in touch soon. Sounds good. Yeah. Bye. Bye.